0: The first four interviews of this podcast have been with emerging and veteran entrepreneurs who make and sell products from home. It has been great to hear stories about the successes and challenges of others who are already doing what I want to do, and we will publish many more of these stories over time. At the same time, it is also good to learn from others outside our immediate space. One example is the direct-to-consumer sales approach. Over the past few centuries, Direct-to-consumer has been a way for companies to sell products to consumers without having to go through stores, but instead, by working with salespeople who engage directly with customers. This includes the earliest days of door-to-door sales, home-based Tupperware parties popularized in the 1950s, and pop-up events that are common today. On the one hand, direct-to-consumer consultants miss out on much of the fun that home-based producers enjoy and only get a share of the profits from the companies that they represent. On the other hand, they get to focus much more of their time on a critical part of the making and selling process, the actual sales. The estimated 16 million people who work in direct sales have to be masters at marketing, engaging directly with consumers, making a pitch, differentiating their products from others, and making the sale, very similar to what home-based producers must also do to sell our goods. By far, the biggest segment of the direct-to-consumer space is personal and beauty care products. Two companies alone, Avon and Mary Kay, make up more than half of all direct-to-consumer sales. Yes, pun intended. It is therefore exciting to have as our guest today Jenna Watkins, who represents a smaller personal care company, Beauty Counter, to see how even an upstart can compete against the big girls successfully. What are the foundations for a strong direct sales approach? How can home-based producers represent ourselves effectively to develop a customer base and grow sales? Listen to what Jenna has to say here. Hi, everyone. This is Corey Hyman, host of the Make It and Sell It podcast. This is a show about entrepreneurs who develop new products and then produce, sell, and distribute these products themselves. This field is wide open and can be a fantastic opportunity for anyone who has the passion, skills, and persistence to succeed. Why do people do it? How do they do it? What can we learn from their experiences? Stay tuned to find out if this career path may be right for you. Hi, Jenna. How are you?
1: I'm good, Corey. So good to virtually see you. You (laughs) as well.
0: So I'm seeing Jenna, who has been very kind to take a few minutes in her car to be able (laughs) to talk today. So Jenna and I met a few years ago. In my Core Life Eatery restaurant in Lancaster. Jenna and her family were regular guests in the restaurant, and she mm-hmm. became aware of the activities that we started to do on Saturday mornings, usually for exercise. We would have mm-hmm. yoga and ballroom dancing and boxing. But Jenna and I talked about the fact that she mm-hmm. represented a product called Beauty Counter. Beauty Counter was Mm -hmm. all about trying to make sure that the chemicals that we use on our skin, which we use every day, Mm -hmm. were as safe as they can be for ourselves and our families. Mm -hmm. And she was Mm -hmm. very passionate about it. We had one false start in that we created an activity on a day that we didn't have a lot of representation, but we did a really neat Mm -hmm. three-person activity on a Saturday morning that Jenna engineered where we had yoga and we had Beauty Counter And we had a nutritionist nutritionist. together and it was a really fun day. It was a huge crowd. and So that was a lot of fun. I'm hoping that after coronavirus, we'll be able to do that again. But yes, I would um,
1: love to. (laughs) I I
0: remember that time so fondly in in my discussions with Jenna since then as well. And just know how passionate you are about your product, uh, about how much it means to you. And even though this podcast mainly focuses on people who make products themselves and then sell them themselves. You are involved in a business called direct sales is is mm-hmm. the name of the industry, which is really more mm-hmm. about the di- distribution channel where right. um, manufacturers sell directly to customers, not through stores, but mm-hmm. through intermediaries, the representatives. Mm-hmm. And so I thought that we could spend some time today for the audience of people who are either thinking about or making products at home, just talking about how you do your business, how, you know, why yeah. you do it, a little bit about uh, Beauty Counter, your, your history in it, so that we can learn from somebody else who's involved in an industry that I think has 16 million people. So it's as big or bigger than home-based sales to who do this every day. So with that, thank you, Jenna, Uh, just to to say hello and and just maybe say a little bit about yourself and a little bit about how you became involved in in Beauty Counter, please.
1: Sure. Yeah. Yeah. Well, Corey, thank you so much for having me. And I really appreciate it. I know. um, Yes, you're right on with uh, my passion and, you know, excitement for the product that I sell. However, I feel like, um, you know, and that, that even is, is true for all of us. It's so much more than just the product that we sell, right? Like we are, all of us are trying to, um, help solve a problem. And so whatever that problem might be, it could even be, you know, if you are, uh, making beautiful signs for someone's home, uh, well, that's, you know, solving a decor problem for them. You know, for me, it is, I'm helping solve a problem um, that really shouldn't even be a problem. There's, um, you know, harmful ingredients and products that are in all pretty much most of the, you know, the products that we buy on the shelf. And just so many consumers don't know that. And so, um, so yes, you know, we sell lipstick and shampoo and body wash and skincare and all those things. Um, But what I'm really trying to do is educate consumers about the reality of the industry. And, And that's honestly like how I came to Beauty Counter is, yeah, I started learning about some of the different things that was going on in the personal care industry. I guess I should back up, you know, I, uh, you know, I'm, I'm from Lancaster. I, uh, I'm a mom of four, uh, actually our fourth just was born on March 26. Oh, so during all this yeah. craziness, wow. Wow. <laughs> thank you. <laughs> um, yeah. Yeah. it's a little, little bit of a crazy town over here sometimes, <laughs> but, um, but yeah, I, I honestly, we, um, we needed something for me as well to be able to be flexible for our schedule. Um, and, and beauty counter has been that, and it's, it's been such an amazing opportunity for myself and my family. Um, but anyways, to go back to, you know, kind of the start of how I found out about beauty counter, uh, yeah, I just, uh, uh, a dear friend of mine that I had worked at a nonprofit with, uh, years ago, hope international. Um, we, uh, had kind of lost contact but I saw on Facebook that she had become a consultant with beauty counter and I had heard about it. And so reached out to her and just started having conversations with her that, you know, even the products that I thought I was bringing into my home, because I was on this journey, I was trying to be more mindful and intentional about what we're bringing into our home. Um, you know, things that had a pretty green leaf on it or said all natural or plant-based and even organic, you know, come to find out that because there's little to no regulations in the personal care industry uh, and there's hardly any transparency, you know, companies can market to us and, and really, you know, (laughs) are lying (laughs) to be honest. So was frustrated with, you know, I thought I was bringing products in my home that were safer, but then I look at the ingredients, you know, on the back of it and see the word fragrance, which is a loophole word. A company can literally put whatever they want in a product and they can just, you know, slap the word fragrance on the label. And us as the consumers, we don't know, you know, what's in, what's in the product with that. So anyway, so I just became extremely passionate about educating. Really, I say anyone that will listen because I believe that this is, you know, so important and that this information should be in everyone's hands because it is affecting our health. You know, we are seeing so many different things in our country, especially, you know, one in two men are being diagnosed with cancer in their lifetime. One in three women. And no, it's not, you know, all about just the products that we're putting on our, on our bodies, but it is a part of it because right. you know, what we put on our skin is it's our largest organ. And and so, and you know, what we're putting on it is getting into our bloodstream. So anyway, so I, I love that beauty counter is, honestly, an education-first company and trying to empower consumers with this information and then advocating for change in our countries. So I couldn't be a part of Beauty Counter if it wasn't, it wasn't for that. It right. w- it's more than just selling you know, a tube of lipstick or a bottle of shampoo. Right.
0: And, and Jenna, you said that you were involved in the nonprofit sector before you joined Beauty Counter. Had yeah. you had other jobs as well or um, had you done anything related to sales or direct sales previously?
1: No, you know, I, I haven't really been in the, the sales industry. Uh, yeah, I had worked, um, for a nonprofit for many years. My husband and I actually were house parents at Milton Hershey school for a few years. Um, I had done youth ministry, uh, work prior to that, you know, before getting married. So yeah, I definitely was not in the sales industry. And I know that a lot of times people get very nervous about, you know, Oh, I don't want to be one of those, you know, those people. (laughs) Um, but I think when you really do take uh, the stance that you really are trying to provide a service to people that platform just speaks volumes rather than just trying to sell something to them.
0: I've learned that in home-based production, there is a real diversity of skills that are required to come up with a product design to be able Mm -hmm. to put it together in a way that you think is interesting for other people, to then be able Mm -hmm. to package it. But the sales part of it and the marketing is just a completely different skill set. So I do wonder how many people who have a great idea out there get stuck in their tracks just because they're, they're nervous about trying to go out and trying to sell something. So mm-hmm. what was that hump yeah. for you? Obviously, it sounds like it was a fairly easy transition for you because you've been passionate in the past mm-hmm. about your other jobs. This was a really easy uh, idea to get your head around and, and to be excited about yourself. But how difficult was it in your early days of doing this to be able to try to convince other people to buy your product?
1: Right. You know, and, and of course too, the industry that I'm a part of has kind of a bad reputation at times because it isn't, there are many times where it's not done well, right? Like it is, it can be pushy. It, 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 you know, it doesn't come from a place of service and, and education where, you know, I've, that is what I lead with. Um, so it's, it's hard when you, when you know that that mentality exists, um, you know, as beauty counter, we really feel like we are set apart for so many different reasons. One being the fact that we're a B corporation. Um, so we put people and planet, you know, in equal line with profit and, um, our advocacy work in our country, you know, really urging Congress to pass more health protective laws. There is so much more to beauty counter than just the product in and of itself, but like, but I still sell products, right? Mm-hmm. Like the, at, the, at the end of the day, like that's what I do. And that's what puts food on our table. Absolutely. Right. And so, um, so I do think, you know, the, the, the bottom line though, is if you can have confidence in what you are doing and have conversations with people that at the end of the day, that that's all that it's about, right? Right. Like I can give you strategies or tips or verbiage or, you know, whatever. And I even, and talk to the ladies, well, mostly ladies, there are two guys that are doing this with me as well. (laughs) Um, yeah. Um, but at the end of the day, it comes down to, are you confident in yourself and in what you are providing for people and in what you're doing for us at beauty counter to change the entire industry in our country? then have conversations with people about that. And, you know, and, and that's where, if you, can do, if you can have those two things, I feel like you'll, you'll succeed.
0: Absolutely. And Jenna, you said that you came from the nonprofit sector and I've talked mm-hmm. about this in past podcasts as well, but I've worked in nonprofit, I've worked in government. It's all about sales. It's all about trying mm-hmm. to get somebody to invest either money or right. their goodwill in what you're trying to Mm do. So it doesn't sound like it it was a very difficult transition for you to move into this space. How long have you been doing it? How long have you been involved in Beauty Counter?
1: Yeah, so a little over three years. I have been a representative of the the company. We call ourselves consultants. So I'm a director with Beauty Counter, um, which just means, you know, I've got, you know, so much business volume um, that I have each month. Um, And so there is actually, you know, 50 other people that are doing this with me. Um, So it's, yeah, it's really, exciting and and what's also exciting is this movement is for sure growing and so it's been neat to be a part of not only you know meeting and reaching my goals but then also helping other people succeed as well and and you know and success looks different for each person um and that's where i love you know just journeying along with people to be able to help them you know reach their goals
0: Really cool. So when you started, you started out as a consultant before you became a director. Mm-hmm. So I imagine that that yeah. was even more engagement with people and, and direct sales. Yeah. What, what is the model? Is there any guidance from Beauty Counter or are you just left to your own devices? I know yeah. uh, there was door-to-door sales of encyclopedias and vacuums right. and then Tupperware <laughs> brought the, the parties. What yeah. does a Beauty Counter either require you to do or give you as guidance sure. for ways to both find your audience, to be able to engage right. with them and, and to close the deal?
1: Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, there's tons of resources that beauty counter gives. Um, however, I always, you know, when a new consultant joins my team, I, I talk to them about, look, I want you to do you right. Like I'll be authentic and genuine to you. If posting on social media is authentic to you, do it. If it's not, then don't like, don't feel like you have to do any sort of, you know, whatever, uh, X, Y, Z now, like, Yeah, there are definitely things that we call income producing activities where you are Wanting to either get products into people's hands through samples or a drop off, or you know a one on one, or you know when we were gathering, which we started doing like outside. People, <laughs> I hosted one at my house, and like everybody brought their lawn chair. And oh, you know, wow. in
0: the recent months, in the <laughs> yes. area of yeah, Corn yeah, yeah. Oh wow, good for yeah. you! <laughs> yeah. Very innovative.
1: And honestly, the ladies that came, they're like, "This is so great! It's so wonderful to be with each other again." Um, but honestly, I think for us, you know, I I lead with the education and really just want people to have this information so that they can be empowered to make more informed choices about whatever products they're bringing into their homes. Because, I mean, I don't think I said this yet, but beauty counters mission is to get safer products into the hands of everyone. That's not, you'll notice I didn't say beauty counter products into the hands of everyone. We honestly really do want you to just have safer products. And so, that's through education that's through advocating in our country. And that is through, you know, beauty counter products because they are great and amazing. Um, so yeah, so what's nice is there are so many different resources that beauty counter provides, but then you as your own, and that's the thing, right? Like I am my own entrepreneur. Like no one is telling me what to do or when I have to work or, you know, that sort of thing. Um, and so there are, you know, things there, but then you just make it genuine and authentic to you of, of how you can share this story. Cause that's where, I mean, honestly, that's our founder. Her name is Greg. Um, she decided to do direct to consumer. Cause she felt like, no, you know, our story's best shared person to person. Like if we would just be in another retail you know store, it would get lost. The story would get lost. And so what we're trying to do is create a movement, um, not be just another beauty brand.
0: Right. Neat. So Jenna, day one, you start, you have your product in hand, you have all of your literature, you have your software, your PowerPoint presentation, you are set to your own devices. What do you do on day one and how has that changed over time?
1: Yeah, I mean, I personal reach outs are key, right? Like you can post, I mean, I created a Facebook group and I invited, you know, different people that I knew would be interested, you know, whether that's my friend, that's a yoga instructor or, you know, my friend, that's a nutritionist or someone else that I knew loved essential oils and is already on this journey, like whatever, you know, that is, I would add people to the group. And it's a wonderful way to kind of blast information, But to really be able to share your story and really have people grab onto more than just the product in and of itself, um, is, you know, having that relationship and building that trust and, you know, authenticity with one another. Um, so I mean, yeah, I, I did, I reached out to different people. I had hosted a couple different pop-ups in my house at a coffee shop. Um, I love collaborating with different people. That's, you know, I loved being able to do, um, the workshop at core life. So, Just figuring out different ways of how you can get in front of new audiences is always key Um, and how you really can partner with other people has always just been so much fun um, as the business that I'm a part of.
0: Over time, do you find that the same thing works for everyone? Or as you expand your network, it sounds like day one, you talked to the people who you knew. That was how you started your network. But obviously, then they either introduced you to other people or you had to find new right. people as well. I imagine yep. that engaging with people who you don't know is really different than engaging with people who you do know. And perhaps mm-hmm. they're even more important because they're the ones who can give you the best information. But what have you found to be the best ways to communicate with people? and to Mm -hmm. be able to get them excited about your product? And what are those instances in which they just glaze over and you know that's it, you've (laughs) lost them? (laughs)
1: Yeah. Um, I think I love being able to send people voice messages, whether it's through Facebook messaging or on Instagram, like direct messaging. They have the microphone feature now too. Um, I think it's so helpful for someone to hear my voice, right? Um, And it not just to be... And and the other thing, I was just actually listening to a social media, um, training and he had shared that people are going through 300 feet of contact content daily. Like you have to stick out if you are doing social media. Um, and then also shows you even more so that personal connection with people is key. Uh, and so I think, yeah, just learning some of those different things, like trying to be creative and also Empathetic to where people are at, um, you know, especially during this time, you know, wanting to be really, you know, empathetic to that. But at the same time, like, you know, people are still washing their hair, they're still washing their face, they're still, you know, giving their kids bubble baths. Like, they're still buying products, whether it's from me or, you know, at a store. Like, that need is still there, right? And so it always comes down to are you serving people's needs? Um, Yeah, them hearing my voice is always so key. Um, And just building that relationship over time is also, you know, so important.
0: Over time, what percentage of your business has become repeat business versus new business? Oh,
1: Corey, I should have looked at my numbers. I didn't. Uh, (laughs) I mean, I
0: guess is it, here's, let me ask it differently. Is it more or less of your business, your repeat business as compared to your new business?
1: Right. I would say definitely. Um, and, and that's honestly, I joke, you know, if you do, if you do get into the industry of direct, you know, direct sales or yeah, we like to call it direct consumer, but yeah. anyways, the, the, um, it, you want it to be a consumable product, right? Like if it's not a consumable product, it's going to be hard to get those reorders. Uh, and so for me, like be- people fall in love with beauty counter products, like our skincare is safe but it also works, right? right? Like it's revolutionized. Honestly, my face, I had, you know, acne issues and it, I, it has changed me. Uh, my aunt, you know, tried our anti-aging line. She's like, after three days of giving it a try, she's like, Oh my gosh, I need this entire collection. So, you know, there are, they're great perks when your products, you know, really provides, you know, a high performing, you know, aspect to it. Um, Oh, Corey. But so, yeah. So I would say like, as far as reorders go, oh, I don't know. Uh, I think at least half, to be honest, okay. that is something that I, that I is a downfall for me. I, I need to be better at following up. I think my personality, I love the new, I love, you know, thinking about how I can partner with, you know, new people and and that sort of thing. So I think I could do it a lot better at, you know, that customer service and, and following up with all of, My different, you know, customers. I'm guessing
0: you do just fine, Jenna. you're you're (laughs) underselling yourself. I'm sure you do just fine. Uh, Jenna, what are some of the the craziest ways that you have introduced people to your product, or that you would think about could be ideas for people who make their own products and sell them from home?
1: You know, I think that a lot of people probably are not quite as bold as I am. I think most people probably wouldn't have just like gone up to the owner of Core Life and (laughs) talked. (laughs) <laughs> you know, to you about... Hey, he is pretty me. intimidating though. So I can
0: imagine, <laughs> I can understand that. Yes,
1: yes, exactly. Um, I think that if you can just just realize that, uh, yeah, that confidence is, is huge and that you're just in, in charge of you at least trying to provide your product to people, they decide whether they want it or not, right? So you're not necessarily... Control of the outcome, but you're in control of what you can do. And so, yeah, like I've been already at the spa, and I've you know talked to the person that is doing my facial, and and you know I've looked into the ingredients that they are using there. And so then I'm talking to them about, do you know, do you know what's going on in you know the industry and the products that you know whatever. So or you know at the at the dentist, actually, I, I noticed the hand soap in the, in the bathroom had ingredients that are not, you know, great for our health. Like And just speaking to just providing that education, I think, you know, when you start having those conversations with people, then it it can then lead into, you know, what I do with Beauty Counter. Um, so I think, yes, a lot of times people are not as bold to bring up what they do or the product that they sell to people. And you just need to be, you just, right. I think what's the worst thing, right? Like right. I, I always tell ladies, if you never ask, the answer is always going to be no. Right. And so why not ask? Right. Um, yeah.
0: I wonder whether one of the differences between a direct distribution channel that you're using and people who make products at home is technology. We've talked mm. about social media, but I think that, for example, when I'm able to sell my own products, I'll be able to create my own web store. I'll be able to take my products to Amazon and Etsy. Mm -hmm. I'm guessing that beauty counter has some limitations for that because obviously you don't want to have to compete with other consultants. So Mm -hmm. how, other than social media, are you able to use technology and how has that changed the way that direct-to-consumer has worked over time?
1: uh, yeah. So like for each of us, we have our own individual websites, like through beauty counter. Um, and then each of us up to us on how we want to kind of create our platform and presence on social media, whether, you know, be through, um, a Pinterest board or Facebook page or, um, an Instagram account, you know, that, that is up to each of us on whether, what we want to do, I would say, especially during these past, you know, five, six months of going very much, you know, virtual, um, it's through, yeah, I did like a zoom spa hour with some ladies. And so it's just kind of great getting creative on still making those connections, building those relationships with people. Um, you know, I use stories, I feel like a lot more in Instagram, uh, because that's again, like giving people an, a, a, a background view or not background, but you know, of, of my everyday life and, you know, my journey and being able to, to take people along on that. It really hasn't, even though yes, the in-person has changed, the, the bottom line has still stayed the same, uh, for, for us.
0: Jenna, I would assume another difference between people who are focused on the direct-to-consumer distribution channel versus making and selling from home is the amount of time that they spend doing each of the different activities. You get to Mm -hmm. focus almost all of your time on communicating with people, on education, on communications, on sales, versus Mm -hmm. people who make products at home who have to spend a good part of their time producing and packaging and either going to local events or selling online. Hmm. What advice would you give to people about the amount of time it takes or that they should spend relative to their production Hmm. and what the most efficient and effective ways would be for people who sell a diversity of products from food to personal care products to artwork to artisan Mm -hmm. kinds of things to clothing?
1: Yeah. I think it always comes down to who is your target audience, right? And I think figuring that out and tailoring your message to that audience. And I know, you know, for, for me, um, now that I have, you know, 50 other people that are doing this with me, a lot of my time now goes towards coaching and mentoring them. So I feel like there's, you know, a little bit of an over it looks different, but obviously like, you know, now there is a, a, a another arm to my business, um, as being a mentor and coach to them. And so figuring out, yeah, what does that percentage look like? What makes the most sense? Um, I, I feel like I still spend, you know, probably more like 70% on my personal business and 30% on, you know, my team members and helping them reach their goals. And, and we speak to this too, is those income producing activities. Like what are things in your business that are more the income producing activities? For me, it's, you know, reaching out to people personally, it's asking them if they want to try products. It's, um, you know, do they want to host a pop-up also is this, would this opportunity serve you? Right? Like, you know, having other people do this with me, that's another income producing activity. So I think looking to see like, what are the things that you're doing? If you are, organizing your space every day and it's taking two hours because like that, but that's not an income producing activity. Right. So like figuring out, um, you know, what is taking your time and that might even be like journaling, like logging kind of what is taking your time, seeing what are the things that are actually going to be making you the money <laughs> and, and kind of tailoring your day or week, right? Like I, I try and like make sure that I really check in with my team, you know, uh, you know, at least, you know, a few times, like whatever that looks like for you, I think it's is figuring out what that schedule can be.
0: Jenna, you mentioned two concepts a couple of times in this discussion I'd like to go back to just because everybody might not be familiar with them. What is a pop-up?
1: Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, sorry. I know this is like no no, 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 That's jargon, great. Right? No, yeah, yeah, yeah. absolutely. What, just, um, I think that's like a great old one. Old school parties, right? Like the. Um, but honestly, I feel like for us, you know, it can be a pop up in your home or your backyard or at a coffee shop. Or I've partnered with um, a boutique where I've had you know a pop up of beauty counter. I've just had a table and products for people to be able to sample and try, um, or just learn. You know, honestly. The, the basic uh, hope for all of our pop-ups is to empower people with this information because we believe knowledge is power and when we know better, we can do better. Right. And so that's, that is the bulk of the of time in the beginning of our pop-ups is, is providing that education. And then from there, like, yeah, if you would want to switch to safer on any of our products, great, but it's not like sitting around at a table and you have to try <laughs> all right. of this stuff. Like it's there for you to you know, test and see and try if you want, but, uh, but there's no like, you know, you need to buy something before you leave right. my house.
0: Right. So yeah. pop up just in a broad sense is creating a display of mm-hmm. your activities yeah. outside of your personal space. And that could either yeah. be something that's planned with a vendor, with a store, mm-hmm. with a yep. location, and it can be advertised, or you could just show up obviously with the owner's approval and yeah. just display your wares and people mm-hmm. who walk by, you can engage yeah. them that way. Right.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And I would say that that could definitely be an overlap for, you know, people that are, um, making something and wanting to get their product in front of people. Yes. Vendor events are great, but like, think through like if you're, yeah, if you're in Lancaster, we have, First Friday, like, is there some like think through your networks and and who could you maybe partner with? Who could right. you collaborate with to yeah have a table of 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 your goods? Or, you know right. whatever it might be or your service that you're providing people. How could you how could you really serve the clients that they have? You know that a two way street there. Right.
0: Um, and the First Friday is a citywide event where uh, there's lots of activities and food and drink and people come downtown to enjoy. Mm-hmm. And those are great places to be able to have displays and pop-up tables. So Jenna, Mm -hmm. the last concept you talked about beauty counter being a B company. Can you say a little bit more about what a B company is and why people who make and sell products at home might want to organize themselves as a B company?
1: Yeah. So a B corporation, um, there are, I think the last time I looked a couple of weeks ago, there's literally only 3,500 businesses worldwide that had here to the standards and requirements of B corporations, um, uh, it's companies like Patagonia or Allbirds or seventh generation or pen, Ben and Jerry, you know, like companies that have, have, um, taken the stance that they want to use all of business as a force for good. So we call it that we have a triple bottom line. We put people and planet in equal line with profit. Um, and so, yeah, I mean, there are, um, it's it's hard to do uh, to become a b corporation um because there are a lot of different requirements and standards but i loved i loved that beauty counter was a b corporation And to be honest that was like the deciding factor for me to get involved because it really was important to me i wanted everything a part of the supply chain and you know um not just the product in and of itself to be mindful of the people that are producing it and the earth, you know, being taken care of. Um, and so, yeah, I mean, you can look online and see, you know, a B corporation, there's an entire application process that you can go through. Um, but it is really exciting again, like for people in Lancaster, um, there's, there is a website, I think it's assets has it that you can see the different B corporations of, uh, local businesses here in Lancaster.
0: For full transparency, the company that has created this podcast was set up as a B Corporation as well.
1: Oh, great. uh, I think it's a
0: great way to keep that focus in mind Mm -hmm. that part of what we're trying to do in this world is to make the world a better place, and that's a great way to do it. Exactly.
1: Exactly. Well, Jenna, what
0: got me excited about our conversations initially are still making me excited today that... What we put in our bodies, whether we do it through eating or through skin, has a huge impact on our ability to fight off infection, to be able to reduce inflammation, to protect Mm -hmm. ourselves, and especially at this time when we're also vulnerable. I think that how we treat our bodies will make all the difference in the world about how we Mm -hmm. come out of this situation. So thank you for what Mm -hmm. you do and congratulations on all your successes. The fact that you are a director with 50 people working for you really says a lot about your success and the expansion of the movement. So Jenna, if people want to be in touch with you to learn more about Beauty Counter or perhaps work with you, what's the best way for them to get in touch?
1: Yeah, um, well, I would love that uh, because, uh, yeah, like we say, you know, we're not just another beauty brand, we are a movement, and movements take lots of voices, right? You know, um, it takes time to change an entire industry, an industry that's like $65 billion in our country. Um, But it's exciting because we have we have really moved, um, the market forward and there are actually just two bills that got passed in California, um, just this past week, uh, because of work that we're doing. So it's super exciting anyways. Um, but if you would like to, to reach me, um, my email is bc.jennawatkins at gmail.com or you can find me on Instagram. It's at Jenna underscore Watkins. Um,
0: yeah. Fantastic. And we'll obviously put all of that information in our show notes as well. Thank you so much for doing this today.
1: Yeah, you're welcome. Thanks so much.
0: Thanks for listening today. This has been the Make It and Sell It podcast with Corey Hyman. Please subscribe, let us know what you think, and stay tuned for future episodes.